welcome back to another episode of Political Prude, the podcast. Now, since the launch of this series, you have yeeted us all the way to the top of the charts on Spotify, where we've remained since. So it's been really insane, but on behalf of the team behind Political Prude, thank you so much. Now, today's episode will be a little bit different. We are joined by not one, not two, but three guests, Megan, Nicholas, and Zalelo. Now, they're all first-time voters like you and me, and they all said that they enjoyed the episodes before. So I was like, okay, la, why not bring them to the show and have them discuss their thoughts? I actually think that they gave this show a little fresh update. So I know uh, that the previous episodes were a little bit intense at times, but I'm hoping for this one to be a little bit more cash. Now, Megan studied public policy and global affairs plus sociology. Nick studied communications and Zalilo is currently studying communications and marketing. So you'll be able to see how their backgrounds color their opinions. Once again, if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you know the drill. Tap that follow button and rate us five stars. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please show your support by subscribing and giving us a thumbs up. And now, enjoy the episode. Hi friends, welcome to Political Prude, the podcast. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. Hi. Unique cam, is it? Woo, 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 all. <laughs> hey, why cannot? For vibes, ma. Oh, for vibes, what? <laughs> Alright, so it has been quite a journey, you know, since they announced that the presidential elections uh, were going to happen. So I just want to check in with you, like, how are you guys feeling right now in terms of, like, emotions towards the election? Maybe, Zalelo, you go first. Hmm... Honestly, I'm a bit at a crossroads at this point and we're like running out of time. It's my first time uh, doing this. So it's a lot to take in. <laughs> right, right. Um, so Nick, how, how are you feeling? Uh, honestly, a bit jaded. I, I actually think this election is quite lame. Uh. Oh! <laughs> but why jaded? Why jaded? Okay, I, I feel it very... I find it very interesting because I feel like this is the first election where people are focusing so much on social media. Mm. Right. And uh, it's really like, like even uh, Ng Kok Song is fully going digital, you know. Mm. So I, I just find that part of it very interesting. And like looking at everybody post their campaigns or clips, people are inviting influencers to events. Mm. Uh, people are going down to podcasts yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> I just, it's just like, whoa, what are y'all doing now? Slaper, all that things. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most interesting part. Okay. Ah, that candidates wise like it's a mare for you yeah okay <laughs> Megan uh, to be honest I kind of feel like the overwhelming sense I guess I feel very upset and very angry okay I think not necessarily at the candidates more like uh, the state of democracy in, in Singapore um, I feel like all the social media activities and, and all the you know criticisms of the system of the candidates just really reflect like this like democratic deficiency Wow. Okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go into that okay. in, in just a bit. <laughs> Feel the anger. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about each one first. Let's go through them one by one. Okay. So let's start with Mr. Thaman, right? What have you guys thought of his social media strategy so far? Okay, I think the thing about social media, right? I think I feel like this need to be generalized a bit. Okay. I think the thing about social media is that we put up what we want other people to see. Okay, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that target audience is like the most important thing when you are putting out stuff online. Yeah. Because you are essentially trying to keep those people that are supporting you and also trying to gain uh, new eyeballs on you, new followers, new uh, supporters in that sense. Right? What Taman is doing is that he is doing the very classic PAP route of social media where he's, like let's say he's doing on a walkabout, there's going to be a video about that. He does a press conference, there's going to be a video about that. Beyond that, there's also that personal touch of, of uh, conversations about his wife, 
about his family, you know, uh, him as a person, what he stands for. Okay, uh, it's very standard, right? So it's like we've seen this all along on Facebook, but now recently he's created Instagram. He has a new TikTok account, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, and he's posting all these short clips. They're right. quite nice. They're professionally done. Uh, it looks polished. Uh, I yeah. hear a butt coming. <laughs> I just it's just boring. Oh. <laughs> I think for me, um, as a business POV, I get what he's doing and he's studying his audience really well and I think it's a smart move la, for him to um, occupy TikTok and occupy all this because like, like what you said, that's where the younger generation are and honestly, some older folks as well. So it's a fresh take although it's recycled information. But I do applaud him for trying out new things, for example, joining a podcast and uh, I mean... It's another thing that uh, that is new that I've never seen before. Mm. Mm. Megan? Um, I feel like the PAP, like candidates from the PAP, especially those who are, are very popular, have always had a very um, weak, even, sorry, even candidates of uh, who are very popular have quite a weak sense on like social media. Mm. So I think Taman has really um, like risen above that, in my opinion, during this presidential election. Um, but I think probably like, I kind of agree with Nick, like, but instead of saying boring, I would say that I think he hasn't really, in my opinion, managed to like capture the attention of like swing voters. Mm. Um, mm. I don't yes, think he's really yeah. done anything that shows, like put, sets him apart from, you know, who he was before. Besides, you know, constantly drilling the fact that, you know, he has an independent mind. Right. Mm. There's certain, nothing much more to that. Right. Know? Well, in, in, that, in that case, like, I mean, I just want to jump off that and, and say, when, when Thaman first announced that he was going to run, I think everybody was like, hey, you know, b- b- before George, the George Goes and Uncock Songs mm. and Tankin Dance, when the mm. moment he announced, everybody was like, this is a sure win, lah. You know, like this, like it's a, it's a, it's a sure in. Mm. So when you when you hear this kind of um, sentiment on, on the ground, maybe all, all his team wanted to do was not to rock the boat, right? Because mm. if let's say you're going to be a front runner already, like why risk strategies that maybe, you know, because we've seen how some people flop at social media yeah. and some politicians yeah. flop at social media. So maybe all his team wanted to do was let's just have presence without mm. anything going like risk heavy. I don't know. I feel like the problem with that is that um, I think a lot of Singaporeans tend to see the PES as a place where they can kind of like air their dissatisfaction with the incumbent. And especially with such a, a you know large pool of first-time voters, I think it is kind of important to, to still capture the, the attention of those those swing voters because right. you know the last election the not sorry not the election before the last uh, uh 2011 yeah. election the margins were very very small mm. right less less than two percent and i think that that is a, a good show of like you know how much how how does how singaporean voters use the pe as, as a way to you know a much safer way to air their, their dissatisfactions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, you mentioned that uh, you've seen candidates like Thaman really engage with influencers at events and whatnot. Um, you know, I think Thaman was one of the first few that started organizing, uh, or, or his volunteers were helping him organize these kind of closed-door influencer-invite-only on, sessions, uh, which is a very interesting strategy. Um, I've heard I've heard both good and bad, right? So for one, like one end of commentators say that, hey, you know, this is basically free publicity for him. The influencers go there, they take photos of him, they start talking about him, right? The other the other side of it is like, hey, why closed-door? Why only influencers, you know? So what, what do you guys think about this? It's very normal to use a reach that other people have. Mm. If I ask... Billy Tan Kok Song eh, wrong eh? <laughs> <laughs> if, I, 
If I ask Billy Tan Xiaoming uh, from Block 82 Haogang Street to come down and visit Taman, take a photo, where is that photo going to reach? Right. But if I ask somebody that makes video content to come on, put something on TikTok, right? And it can be as... Like, have you seen Leo Nicole's video? I did. Yeah. yeah. It's like, just like, hey, can you match make my, my friend? Like right. something as lame as that, you know? Right. It swings the funny people. Lo. Right. You know, you get different kinds of audiences that Taman does not usually have. Right. Uh, and they are maybe backing your corner in a sense, or at least having a bit, bit of eyeballs yeah. uh, towards him. So I, I think that's why influencers are invited. Uh. Right. And the influencers they invite is like diverse, you know? It's not mm. like, just like, oh, it's all the, just like smart people. Right, right, you right. Know, you also have your... Who are the smart people and who are the not smart people, Nick? <laughs> uh, can, you, can say? You, you also have uh, big titty people, you know? <laughs> like, you have all kinds going there, right? So it's like really different kinds of like vibes. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys think that's a good strategy to work with influencers? Honestly, for me, I think it boils down to the credibility and like uh, the people that he chooses. Yeah, why? Why is it them only? There's all kinds of um influencers around. So why did they choose those specific people? Maybe they have high reach, high views. Yes, but um, do they stand for the same kind of values or what? So it's really just a outreach thing, but what is the essence of it that's my point and also I feel like yeah I, I feel like it shouldn't be closed door because it then it shows some kind of biasness to it yeah mm. people like us we want to know more if can I feel like there's uh, it's great that there's sessions because I get that they're very busy that they get to meet in person that's great but I think people like us we would like that opportunity as well mm. yeah that's fair um I was listening. I was I was talking to some people about like this this strategy, right? And and some of them say that they feel a bit annoyed that influencers. Um, I mean, influencers know what works for them, right? And what yeah. will get the views. So you mentioned Nicole's uh TikTok, and I'm not pointing her out as because yeah. she was uh, used as an example. But her her content actually did really well. I think um uh, her her video with Mr. and Mrs. Taman got about two hundred thousand views on TikTok, right? Which is high visibility. But then there were a lot of people who were like, you know, you had the opportunity to speak to them. Why not talk to them about the actual thing, which is the presidential election? Mm. What do you guys think? Like, no, so this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm starting to get agitated. I feel like this is one of one of the, the main gripes that I have like in this presidential election is that there are so many people who are given this opportunity to, to speak with, with the candidates and then... I kind of feel like these opportunities are, are being squandered, right? With people, all these influencers have, have huge platforms, huge, a huge reach. And yes, it is beneficial for, it is to a certain extent beneficial in the sense that, you know, these candidates get exposure. But then I'm kind of like wondering, you know, are the goals in any way aligned? You know, you don't, mm. necess you don't necessarily have to have the same values. But, you know, on some influencers, um, like, on the side of some influencers, it kind of seems like what they are trying to do is, is harvest like the views, the clicks, as opposed mm. to really taking the opportunity to ask real questions that... Oh, sorry, I'm getting very upset because, I mean, this, this, it's, I feel that there's a little bit of hypocrisy involved with, with influencers where, where they say like, oh, you know, like I'm a relatable figure, I, I want to represent my audience, I want to like uh, make a difference in any sort of way, right? Or they just, you know, on the very baseline, saying that they are relatable figures to these to the to the audiences, but then when you are presented with such a special opportunity, do you actually take the time to use your your platform to to raise up these issues that your followers are, are facing? Right. Yeah. So can I ask? Uh, are you more agitated towards the content that's being put out or the presidential strategy to invite these people in the first place? 
I would say it's the former. You know, when I, I completely understand why mm. they are using these strategies, right? Like you said, it's really like it's natural and it's clever. But then it's like democracy is very much like a two-way street, right? The presidential candidates can go out of their way to to try and reach out to different demographics, new people, first-time voters. But then what are the content creators doing with that opportunity? And mm. and in a lot of ways, like this is, I mean, sorry to say, but civic education in, in Singapore is, is, you know, not not the best. Yeah. And a lot of people are very mis, either misinformed or uninformed about what this presidential election is about or what the presidential candidates are about, right? And this is the chance to, you know, use their platform to clarify some okay. of these things or mm. to bring up these issues that... that people are facing and I feel like the opportunity has been vastly like underutilized yeah right but just to play devil's advocate um in a way you know when when I did the podcast with with Taman when I and then there was this unplanned moment where we started talking about music right and he started talking about his Spotify like if he was to curate a Spotify playlist Mm. what songs will be on there um so we we decided to clip that into a a TikTok and and a reel right and then we send it out and it actually did really really well and what I realized was that a lot of people said they saw a new side to to him, mm. you know, a more casual side, get to know him on a more personal level. Um, maybe that can be of value as well, right? Where it's soft, it's like a more yeah. soft approach. No, I, I definitely mean. think that it is of value, um, especially you know when in a lot of ways like the president is meant to be like a unifying figure right True, yeah. but I, I think where where the difference kind of lies is that you had an hour to speak with Tama, mm. with Mr. Taman right. and and then through that you can sprinkle in some some um, content that shows a different side of him but when you really only get like let's say like one question you get 10-15 minutes with him then it's kind of like you have to kind of think what your priorities are mm. is it you know um, having like a casual conversation with him is it farming the views or is it you know, asking him like a real question that, that could possibly provide useful information to voters. Right. I think that balance is important. Like those content that they make, it's fine. But I feel like, like you say, utilizing the full hour that they have, like I get the content that they're trying to do. They have to pull in viewers that may not even be interested in the elections or they don't even know, but they relate to this kind of content. Yeah. But I think there should be important content as well regarding the election and not just to show uh, yeah, their personal side, their personality. That's great. But we also need like some like valuable information regarding the election since we are the ones voting, you know? Right. I, 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 okay. Basically, I really think that social media is like a presidential election. It is a popularity contest, right? Mm. And one part of that uh, popularity contest is the likability of a candidate. Mm. And having your like your music video, right? Yeah. When he's talking about music, it makes him relatable, makes him likable. Uh, at the same time, having this sort of humor response to a matchmaking video is also a form of being likable. Like mm. you, you are not taking things serious all the time, which I see value in. Mm. But at the same time, these two contents are also two different things where one is focused on... Uh, Sorry, Nicole example, but Nicole's friend. Right. And the other video is a focus on Taman, right? So I, I feel like these are the videos that you want. The videos that focus on Taman rather than something else, right? right? And then another thing is that when you invite people over, like as a content creator, right? We are there to do whatever it is for ourselves. Mm. Correct? I mean, it's a selfish thing, but yeah. Okay. We're just there to get the views or whatever. We have the chance. That's great. Um, and there are different content creators that put out different things. For example, if you invite Joel down, you probably have a more serious conversation, mm. right? And if you invite somebody uh, younger, more like that does comedy content, you can't expect him to go there and be like, hey, how do you feel about LGBT rights? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it really depends on the type 
I feel like there's good mix of videos out there that I see where you you jump into comedic stuff that showcase their personality and their take on unnecessary things and then there's also like the deeper ones right and I find they both bring value okay you sorry <laughs> no I guess my, my question then is like um, what is the necessity of, of really seeing like this many parts of, of their personality you know there are certain parts that are, I think are relevant like let's say like family life um, their relationships you know which have become very public but then there are other things where I feel like it doesn't really add to whether I think this person is a worthwhile candidate to vote for. So for me then, in that sense, it kind of like strays away from from the purpose of this like campaigning or, or these like political um, processes. Yeah. Because I think just like any other public figure, for example, a musician, if you think about it, technically only their songs matter. But then you also kind of want to see parts of their lives, whether they go to the gym, like to do yoga, uh, they like jelly beans. <laughs> I guess that specific type of content you weren't the target audience you know what I mean yeah but it, it worked for others yeah alright so let's just um, wrap up uh, Taman's Taman's strategy, <laughs> overall strategy <laughs> uh, can, can we I want to ask you guys like when you look at um, all the content holistically for Taman um, do you think your impression of him changed um, based on the content that you saw no <laughs> no. no I never really had an impression to begin with so this was the the painting for me yeah okay <laughs> if the campaign strategy was you are the crowd favourite and you are not here to you are here to play safe and not rock the boat I think it did its job mm. if you are telling me that you wanted to gain new viewers by entering the social media space then I would say alright 5 out of 10 <laughs> oh, got rating metric now. <laughs> hey, I actually have a ranking of all their. Okay, we'll go through them in a bit. Right. Okay, okay. All right, let's move on to Unkok Song, right? So I think for Unkok Song, I think it's very important for us to have the context in which he entered uh, this this sphere, right? So um, before him, uh, Mr. George Go came forward. So it was a very clear Thaman versus George narrative that was out there. And when Mr. Ung came into the picture, um, I think the public perception was like, he's here to split the votes against George, you know, and, and if immediately I felt like a lot of the people were a little bit annoyed with him, whereby they felt like he is um, like maybe a bit more pro-establishment. Uh, after interviewing him on the podcast, what I realized was that both Tan Kin Lian and uh, Ang Kok Song said that they stepped forward because they were very concerned that George Goh will not qualify, which is the reason they wanted to step forward, which is that um, they want an election to happen. However, that was not the narrative that I think was out there. A lot of people really did think that he was a plant, you know, like they're, they're, the, all the TikToks, all the Instagram comments were like, oh, you're a plant, you're a plant. Um, so that was the context in which uh, he entered the space in. And the second part was what the public focused on when he announced his intention was his fiance and the age gap that they had. Um, which was this 38, 30 years age gap between him and his fiance Sybil, right? Um, and there was a lot of conversation about that. Um, you know, like, I think the more crude ones were like calling like Ochiko Pega or like, you know, Pido. And then the others were just like saying like, oh, you know, um, such an unconventional relationship style. So then um, I think when we are discussing his social media strategy, we do have to keep this context in mind, right? Because mm. we have to understand what he was going up against and, and, and what he was operating within. So what did you guys think about his uh, overall social media strategy? I actually think his social media strategy is pretty good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. 
if you talk about his wife thing, right? Right. Everybody has a target audience, and uh, we all know internet trolls exist in the world, mm. and uh, they are vastly the vocal minority, and the majority is silent, right? Okay. Like, I watch videos. Do I care how old his wife is? I don't know. Right, right. Fiance, by the way. Oh, sorry. Fiance. Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't matter, like, to be fair. But if you look at the videos that he's putting out, and he spent a lot of money on ads, uh, by the way, it's like 40K or yeah, some saw, shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, if you see his videos, you basically can break them down into, like, how to's and advices where he's trying to reach people and trying to help people from a standpoint of, oh, I've done it before so here is how i did it and maybe you guys can relate kind of mm. thing uh about like especially finance right right because he is uh very good in that space mm. apparently he used to be my dad's boss oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't paid to say this <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so I, I i think that it's very helpful especially um youtube's number one video genre is how-to videos by the way mm. right so uh this is a strategy beyond this uh it's like a it's like, I, I feel like it's a decent lah. you know you watch a video you can learn something yeah. and maybe you like the guy yeah like the focus is on other things and not him yeah you know he doesn't really talk much about himself much yeah. other than press conferences but the, the videos that he chooses to put out yeah is this kind of videos which i think is is fresh. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned how-to videos and I think one of his how-to reels got like 4 million views on Instagram, which is huge. And then I think that, that translated to followers. Like, I think mm. among the three of them, he did have the highest follower count. Yeah, he still um, does. I just checked. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think um, in that in that aspect, like uh, it was a, a strategy that's not unique to him because I saw Tan Kin Lian also do something similar like doing educational route mm. uh, but we'll talk about that in just a bit but I think when he was uh, I mean let's be real his team was the one that probably um, worked with him to come up with that strategy and I thought that that was indeed a good one because you saw the numbers that it translated into you know so. production value also not bad yeah, yeah even like when you go to his page you can see like the thumbnails are really clearly done so I thought that was really good for the all across all ages Right. Nicely yeah. curated. Yeah. yeah. Across Facebook, Instagram, and also TikTok. Right. Okay, that's yeah. good. Megan? Um, I, I agree. I actually think that out of all the candidates, I would say that his social media strategy was the strongest. Not only because, you know, it it hits a really good reach, like what he said, you know, mm. how-to videos are, are so popular, but I think because it really accurately translates what his campaign messaging is, mm. which is, you know, on the community front, he wants to help youths he wants to um, talk about mental wellness. And then um, with the reserves, you know, he's showing that he does have like financial competency. So I think it's kind of like um, kill two birds with one stone. Right. Yeah. So throughout his entire uh, campaign, we, we do see himself aligning uh, with Mr. Lee Kuan Yew quite a bit. Mm. Uh, you know, he did mention like, oh, um, I, I was the one that taught him meditating. You know, I worked with him for many years under GIC. Uh, do you think that's a, a, a good thing for his campaign to be aligning himself with Mr. Lee? Everybody knows that Lee Kuan Yew is a hero in Singapore, mm. technically. Where, where the, as abrasive as he is. Right. Mm. right. Whether it works now or not, it yeah. doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a legacy. And it's a similar strategy that other YouTubers, TikTokers, they have used before when you're aligning yourself with a bigger creator when you're starting small. And then after that, you study, slowly start to branch off into your own thoughts and opinions. Right. Right. So it is a valid strategy because the fans of Lee Kuan Yew will start to see you and then after that you start to enter into their ocean of followers and viewers and right. thinkers. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, 
as I mentioned in the context, right, like he came in with uh, a lot of people being being a little bit annoyed with him as this plant narrative. Uh, do you think he managed to mitigate that and win people over the campaign period? I feel like he definitely did because he started to talk about a lot of other issues and mm. he posted more content about other issues. And like, uh, I appreciated that uh, because I was able to see more about like his thoughts on even with musicians and for the music scene future because I'm a musician so it matters a lot to me what's gonna happen to the art scene here and then also like um, the little how-to videos as well so like it definitely like made me think more okay so how re- how important is learning all these is having all these languages at your fingertips like will that like contribute to being a better leader about all, all these uh, there's a lot of issues at hand you know what I mean yeah, yeah. So um, with, with the issue of Sybil and like the narrative surrounding his relationship with Sybil, um, one thing that I, I found interesting was that um, after a while, you know, like uh, he started going on different interviews, including uh, the podcast here, uh, and started telling us about his love story with his wife, um, who actually passed away from cancer uh, years before. Um, one of my, my thoughts that I had was, why didn't you begin your story with this. I, I, I don't know what, what was it what was the team strategy when they first came up to say, okay, look, this is my fiance Sybil, 30 years younger. Um, but I felt like if let's say you t- you you started the this story with, oh, you know, I was in a very loving relationship. Uh, I loved my wife so much that I felt like I didn't need love anymore. Uh, and then someone else just came into my life unexpectedly. I think that the public narrative would be very different, you know? Like, um, naturally, if you tell mm. me, like, oh, if my wife passed away from cancer, I wouldn't go like, hey, to go back, to go back, you know? Like, mm. I'll just be like, okay, like, this is us. This becomes a very cute love story, yeah. um, which, which was what I felt when I was interviewing him. Like, when he was sitting opposite me and telling me, oh, you know, like, I was taking care of Patricia until she passed away. Like, I literally almost started crying because I was like, this is so touching. And then when he... Jumped off that to say, oh, then I met Sybil, and this is uh, we had a very like like unintentional meet cute. I started the rooting for for them as a couple, you know, mm. and I was like, whoa, like why wasn't this part of your core strategy? I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like from what I've seen of Sybil, she kind of seems like a very private person. Mm. So she might have, you know, made the decision to be like, uh, maybe let's not put that at the forefront of your campaign. Let's right. focus on like other things. But then probably him coming out later on to speak about it was probably a reaction to to all the the vitriol that had been going yeah. on, right? But at the same time, I also feel like a lot of these comments, um, like, you know, calling him like a chikope or like saying that she's a gold digger, like, I feel like these, they're kind of unavoidable, you know? Even even mm. if he were to come out from the start and say like, you know, this is how it happened, these sorts of people, right? Like, they're really like incels. They will say whatever they want to say regardless of, of <laughs> what happens, like right. what he, how he frames it. And at what point he frames it, right? And so because of that, I mean, I, I don't think... I think that it's very hard to get everything right in a campaign, right? So I think mm. that was that was probably like a... Maybe an oversight on, on their part, but I think it's also a bit unavoidable. Yeah, I feel like they probably like uh, didn't expect this, this, how big the scale of comments would come about uh, the future first lady. That's what right. some people are having in mind. Like, hey, whoever is going to be president, that's going to be the first lady and it, it matters to them. So, and then they start comparing all the potential first ladies and what the first ladies could do. And I guess that's when people started to be curious. Like, so what does Sybil do? You know, and she's so quiet. They want to know more because unfortunately, your candidates are like uh, putting really like their, their partners out there as well. You right. know, so, and it's natural to compare. Uh. Right. Yeah. So, 
interestingly enough, a lot of people actually did tell me that they're basing their votes off uh, the wives, or the partners. Why. You know, <laughs> they're saying that they're, they're they don't just look at the candidate. They also one of the factors is the first lady. Yeah, and they're very serious about this because they say that it's very important for the president to come as a as a package with the first lady. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I I mean, I never thought of it until they brought it up yeah. and the first person brought it up I was like wow that's such a new take that I never even considered yep. and then the second person came and then the third person came and then I realised that there's a lot of people out there who are voting based on everything the, yeah like yeah. The, the, the package of husband and wife or I guess fiancé and fiancé yeah. I mean, I, 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 sorry. I, I think that makes sense, right? You look at like PM Lee, for example. Mm. Like people don't just look at him; they also look at how Madam Ho Ching behaves, mm. right? Mm. So I, I think you know, it, it's a bit like unavoidable as well. Nick, you look shocked. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel like eighty percent of the time, like she's not gonna be there. Mm. Like, mm. like for example, like PM Lee and Ho Ching, right? Like eighty percent of the time, I see him alone. Uh. I don't yeah. see Ho Ching uh. when right. he giving like COVID the thingy. He's alone, uh, right? Right, right, right. right. So like, like. To me, it's like a it's like a small thing, lah. No, like the president is a bit different, lah, because yeah. the both the the first lady and the president's photos will be in all the school halls. Oh, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. photo So, uh, Mr. Ong Kok Song very boldly said that he wasn't going to do any physical prints, uh, in terms of posters, in terms of flyers, uh, and he very boldly said, "I'm just going to do everything on digital." So I did a poll on Instagram, and I think there was kind of like mixed reviews. Forty percent said that it was good strategy. Sixty percent said it wasn't good strategy. So I'm quite curious, like, what do you guys think about it? Okay, for me, I feel like um, personally, I don't think it's a very, very smart because in in the whole of Singapore, still not everybody's tech savvy. And mm. if you want to win the hearts of the older generation, who are definitely more like they don't know much also about this whole thing, they mm. don't have access to TikTok, you know, and um, they're very pro PAP. You know, I feel like most of them are still very pro PAP. So if you want to win uh, people, you know, who have this very narrow view, you still need to have some kind of physical media. Mm. You still need to give, um, you know, person-to-person uh, -person contact. You you need to be there. You need to uh, educate them in person. Or even with flyers, some people are more visual, but still not tech-heavy. Mm. Okay, Nick? I think it's daring. It's definitely daring. Uh, sense of cool message about sustainability for example because mm -hmm. he, he did bring that yeah. up right and uh, like for example like the George Go, he print out a lot of things after yeah. he now had to sell for <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> to charity though to charity uh, yeah, yeah to charity saying. to charity yeah <laughs> hey, what if he maybe thought he maybe won't that he like thinking about the future I mean like he wouldn't have been qualified or something like so, he, like, song. Yeah, so he don't print first <laughs> then after that he like hey so I need to print but no time <laughs> never mind sustainability a full digital campaign <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what but, thought? Um, I think he, he honestly, uh, is very fresh. I if I was selected as a campaign marketer, I mm. would have Ng Kok Song strategy. Right. Really. First, you have uh, relatable bits that uh, any viewer can watch. They mm. don't have to be from Singapore. They don't have to be uh, a voter, mm. but they can watch this and learn something about it. That's step one. I thought that was pretty good. Then uh, step two is that his videos are very polished. Or step two. Point number two. Yeah. His videos are very polished. They are very well done. The only thing that I would say is a bit lacking, but might be a personal choice because of preference, is mm. that the personal life bit. Right. Right. His, uh, there are, if there are so many questions about Sibo, right, and like you said, he should come out and have it, 
And uh, the other candidates have done this, by the way. Mm. Like, for example, uh, Taman's most liked video is a video about him and his wife, mm. Mm. right? So if you think about that, then maybe you should have more about you and your wife, mm. especially when one of your biggest online criticisms is about Sybil, mm. right? It could swing those people that are just voting for you because of your wife to, <laughs> to your side. Right. That's, that's something that I feel. Okay. Yeah. The third thing about Ng Kok Song, right, is that a lot of people don't know who he is coming into this campaign, mm. right? And social media is the thing that will basically blast your whole life out on display. Mm. Yeah. So there's, I feel like there should have been so much more about him because he, other than to traders, uh, to stock analysts and stuff like that, mm. nobody knows who he is. Tang Kin Lian has been in previous elections. Uh, Taman has been a very uh, recognized figure in the mm. political space. Mm. Tang Kin Lian has regularly uploaded on Facebook all these years, but nobody knew who Ng Kok Song was. Right. So like, for him to spend so much money on social media, I think right move. And also, but as a person, I still don't know who you are. Okay. Megan? Um, I think there definitely is a loss of like a, a certain target audience, right? But I actually really like how he responded to it, um, especially on the front where he said, oh, you know, don't, don't look down on seniors and think that they don't know how to use social media. Mm -hmm. A lot of our um, older generation are actually very tech savvy. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was a really smart response, you know, especially as, as yes, increasingly Singapore has been going digital and, and rolling out a lot of initiatives to help the older generation become more tech savvy. Um, I, I think, you know, even if it is a, a loss in, in that sense, um, he definitely like did recover from it well, in my opinion, like mm. on just on the optics. Right, yeah. right, right. So my point of view on this is that uh, if you're going to go full digital, I agree that a lot of old people are, older people are on WhatsApp, actually. So if he was going to go full digital, actually, I think that he should have... Uh, uh, focus on a WhatsApp campaign. Send customized good Correct. morning message. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Good morning from Ungkok Song. Like that. But I don't know. I don't even know if he did it or not because I'm not a target audience man. But I never. I've never received like mm. like the Ungkok Song uh, broadcast campaign. message. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if you guys uh, joined Tan Kin Lian's uh, WhatsApp group. No. Um, no. Oh, WhatsApp group. He has a WhatsApp group. Savvy, no. How many people? One thousand plus. Uh. Yeah. Wow. No. So so it's basically like a HQ. And then they will say they will craft their their messages, you know, and, and they say, please viral this message. Oh my God. Mm. And then and then they will activate and all forward forward to all their group chats. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's quite interesting, lah. You know, so mm. I, I I haven't really seen strategy. Ung Kok Song has a WhatsApp page actually that he 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 releases uh, videos. So hopefully, like like it was in that strategy to to speak the language of the older generation mm. and have them forward, lah. I think if his team did that, um incredibly intelligent yeah mm. oh yeah hey, that's yeah. a very cool stuff eh, that I never yeah. thought about like, whatsapp yes, yeah. whatsapp yeah because you know whatsapp is a, it's a huge platform yeah mm. right everybody in Singapore use whatsapp yeah, yeah. yeah. whatsapps <laughs> can you whatsapps me this <laughs> so so interestingly right uh, Tan Kin Lian's team cut out a clip from the podcast he did with us on Political Prude and, and, and they made it into like a whatsapp shareable video Whoa. and then they say hey share share actually I felt like hey, I think not bad yeah. What apps? What wow. apps? Same thing. Uh, this one is about target audience, right? Who's on Telegram? Who's on WhatsApp? Yeah. 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 It's like free marketing because you're asking the people to correct, share. Correct, correct. Yeah. All right. So let's um, sum up on Kok Song, right? Let's, let's talk about um, his overall uh, strategy. What do you guys think? Mm, I think it's a fresh take. Uh, I definitely feel more sincerity coming from him. And he's been addressing a lot of issues that some other candidates have not. 
And I appreciate him uh, like giving us an insight to his lives because uh, we, we can tell that they're a bit more uh, reserved but because there's a big hoo-ha, I think they did it quite eloquently. Uh, it just maybe they should have said it at the start like what you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, uh, I, I did attend a tea session with both Sybil and uh, Mr. Ng. Uh, so in context is that uh, when Mr. Taman came, he came with his wife Jane. Uh, so she was in the studio. But uh, when Mr. Ng came, uh, Sybil was, wasn't, wasn't able to make the, the, the session. Uh. So I met her for the first time at this tea session where I just like, tried to listen to what everybody was, how everybody was interacting with them. And, and you're right, they're incredibly um, private about mm. their lives. you know. And I think that this, this election uh, really took it took them a lot to, to be more open with the public. Mm. Um, and you can see it, you know, you can see it. And and I mean, I mean, all, all four of us here are like media media accustomed really. Like, you know, yeah. we're a lot more comfortable in, in front of cameras and speaking to the people. Uh, but I can see them really do trying their best. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I can see them being pri- very, very incredibly proud. But it gets me wondering like if, if he does become president, like this is going to be the norm. Mm. So are they going to be able to handle that? Because you're going to be watched the whole time. Right, right, yeah. right. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any more things that they can reveal. <laughs> They've really been so, so open about like their personal lives, right? So yeah. I think but, from her very first statement as well, she did acknowledge that, like, you know, I know that now, you know, we will kind of be under the limelight and, and the media will be on us. So mm. I, I think, yeah, I think they must have had that conversation and and I think like what Nick said earlier unless you really get into the scene you're not going to know the real like impacts everyday impacts that yeah. it has yeah right We'll get back to the episode shortly and I'm absolutely not going to remind you to follow, rate or subscribe instead I'm going to give you a thumbs up for listening to this point and now back to the episode Back to Tan Kinlian. Tan Kinlian is the only candidate that has been regularly posting on social media before any of them, right? So Thaman had a Facebook page, but not regular poster, as he admitted on the podcast. Uh, he his his style has always been face to face. You know, he wants to be on the ground, face to face, in person discussions. Uh, George Gold had an early start on Instagram, um, and we saw that his his focus was really Instagram and TikTok when it came to social media, uh, and then. Uh, Ung Kok's song was focused a lot on Instagram, right? Where we saw his his real strategy really just like uh, get pushed out. Um, then lastly, we have Tan Kin Lian. Uh, he came in uh, with, I think, um, let's. It, it was a little bit chaotic. I would say at the very at the very start. Um, I mean, his entire journey was a little bit chaotic, right? He only mm. announced that, oh, I want, I'm interested to run at the very end. Mm. Uh, I think the entire team at Political Proof started scrambling. Uh, at one point, we were like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? And, and we made the decision to say, okay, I think regardless of whether or not he's serious, let's just interview him because we think that he might have a, have a shot. Um, and thank God it paid off, right? We were, we were the, one of the first few uh, podcasts that had an interview with him. Um, but even at that point, uh, his his strategy was to start setting up as he was announcing. So I believe uh, they started with a WhatsApp group and then halfway through they said, oh, WhatsApp has a limit and then they just jumped over to Telegram and then the Telegram had Telegram group had issues. They had to delete the group and then reset another one on the same day. So the whole thing was really like chaotic. Um, and until now, uh, we don't really see much of a presence on Instagram. You know, uh, he, He's tr- trying to penetrate TikTok as well. Um, but we see that most of his content is still Facebook heavy, mm. and um, as what I'm seeing, WhatsApp heavy as well. 
right? So um, most of his content that is available on Instagram uh, and TikTok are actually excerpts from old interviews, uh, doorstop interviews, and podcast clips. Uh, and, and people have then been interacting with them, you know. So a lot of um, uh, kind of uh, polarizing uh, statements that he has made on, on, on podcasts uh, that has really... Um, gotten people to talk to talk about what he's saying. So I want to ask you guys, like, what are your thoughts on um, Tan Kim Lian's overall um, strategy in, in comms and all social media? Before we experience Megan's rage. <laughs> <laughs> you can see me from the side, like already like... I can see I can, the fire. Like, I can, I was like, this side of the table is feeling a little bit hard right it, now. I can feel it. Yeah, I feel it too. Let's talk about <laughs> some good points about his social media strategy. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I think you need to know Tan Kim Lian as a person. Uh, he's rich AF but he takes the bus right mm. I think that's a very cool point about him okay and that he's like very no feels bochap I just want to live my life kind of thing yeah says what he wants to say yeah that's what he wants to do mm. runs how he wants to run yeah mm. right that's very important because one thing that I thought is quite smart maybe not so smart double-edged sword but he's not good at social media right mm. I mean, he does regularly post. He has fans. I, I just want to say, right, I see the most Tankinian videos of everything. Right. That's, right. that's a very good thing. His, his reach is insane. Right. Okay. Mm. Might be insults or whatever, mm. but there's a reach. Right. I've been hearing about Tankinian, right, since long before this election. Yeah. Because yep. of his Facebook posts. And it would be these weird thoughts, like intrusive thoughts of an old man, maybe. Mm. Right. Uh, like, and he knows that it gets him that certain reach. He has said it before. Yeah. He says pretty girl, even if there's no pretty girl, because he knows that it gets more eyeballs. Right. Right. So he doesn't care what he, what is the narrative, but he just wants to be seen. Yeah. Mm. Right. In a sense, it is the same social strategy as Stephen Lim. Mm. Right. The content might be nonsense. But it's there. But Stephen right. Lim is not running for president. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get to that part. I'm talking about like whatever he says, regardless of what he says, yeah. um, <laughs> this strategy, right? It, you know, it, it kind of works for some part of life. Yeah. Okay, what well, another good thing is he stays true to himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's really adamant on the things he does, you yeah. know. And if he's not that good at social media, he's accepting interviews from podcasts from everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Even if he knows that people are attacking him. Yeah. And it's because that he knows these clips will go viral, right? He just went uh to talk to like Tian Hao Tan and Tommy and like yeah. Luki. And yeah. like they told me like, bruh, they want to like want to whack him when he right, but like, he'll stop, <laughs> you know. But like he will still do it. Right. And he's one man and he just come like that. Like, yeah. I know, like, yeah, he yeah. he literally came into our studio a single person. Mm. And I felt like that was incredibly brave. You know, mm. like there was there was nothing that he was so honest and so mm. really just genuine. Um not PC at all. Uh I think when the other the candidates came, they 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 went to each person, shook their hands like a like a formal candidate, you know. Mm. Tan Kin Lian came in and he said Oh, I just bought this jacket uh, for this interview. It's brand new. My pockets are, are still sewn together. Mm. And he's like, do you have a scissors I can borrow? So my team was basically cutting his pocket, sewing mm. for him. And I haven't even said hi to him yet. Cute. Yeah, so I was like, okay, that, that, that's interesting. That's, that's new, mm. you know. And then, but he was still friendly, um, uh, respectful of the entire team. Mm. Um, tried to have small talk. Lah. So I was like, okay, that's... One thing I, I realized about him, right, is that in person, at least, or at least in my interaction with him in person, he seemed very harmless. Yeah, he's just a harmless old man no, that just says whatever he, he thinks. But what he may not be aware of is that some of the things he says can be harmful. 
So I think that that's my position when it comes to him, right? And we've seen how a lot of people have 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 had very polarizing uh, viewpoints on him on social media. Um, and yeah, that's just that's just how I I, I view him. Yeah. Again, uh, before we attack the things he <laughs> says, uh, yeah. I also want to bring up another point that he has a target audience. He does. And his target audience is not the young people that are more democratic. Yeah. It's really the conservative minds. Right. The old yeah. people that do believe that patriarchy is the way to go. Mm. That women should stay at home and cook for us. Mm. That uh, that the Chinese majority is the only thing that's important. Okay. Does he think that way? Based on what he says, right? Okay, I would think so. But I feel like like democracy is different from like conservative values, like patriarchy. You know, that that, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, a, yeah. that is a difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, but but he. Does, I think I I feel yeah. that he very much is for democracy because he says that he is you know an opposition candidate. Mm. But being for the patriarchy, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Megan, shoot away. No, no, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you, no, no, you go first. No, no. You go no. first. No. I, I think I'll go for like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'll just keep it simple. <laughs> um, I'm just going to be honest. I disagree with a lot of things he says. And sometimes the things he says just shows me that maybe he doesn't really know what he's talking about. But, you know, I find myself giving him excuses for the things he says. Like, oh, he uh, maybe it's the old mindset. They, they say things like that, but they mean it this way. But how long am I going to keep doing that? You know, this, I'm going to be voting for the next president. I don't have time to do that and like there was one video that really struck me where uh, I think people are complaining that he doesn't let his wife speak so they made a different video where he went to Geelang Sarai and hey everybody she's wearing green because she's sensitive to Malays and Muslims and I'm like what what <laughs> like what what that's supposed to mean and like what was it for and how does this help and like what's the context is Totally, like, is this your way of trying to get us to vote? Like, even for the people who are narrow-minded, like, do does he think they agree with this? Or, like, where, where are his bases from, you know? So, it, it gives me, it, it doesn't give me confidence, right? you know? Yeah. I mean, as, as Nick said, I feel like maybe when he said that, he was trying to appeal to, like, the older generation mm. that go, like, oh... Hari Raya, Hari Raya is green color, you know. Right. And they say, "Oh, green color means oh. racial harmony," <coughs> yeah, right, right. you know. <laughs> so maybe, like, so, sometimes I mean, there are people who who really do feel like that is racial harmony, you know, mm. like just being sensitive or, or celebrating another person's culture. Yeah. So maybe that was his target. I don't know. Mm. All right, Megan. <laughs> the floor, yeah, me too. The floor is yours, <laughs> Megan. I think when you go up and you try and gain a, a platform, a, a local political platform, and then you, when, when you, you know, receive this position of president, then you have uh, all these duties, and, and one of which is to meet with foreign dignitaries and kind of like represent Singapore, right? And then you mm. think also about his community duties, which is like uh, social outreach. I think then it becomes important to consider on that level as well, what kind of social outreach is he going to get behind? Right? And how does the way in which he views women and women's place in society, women's mm. place in, in the household, women's place in, in the workforce, how does that how might that affect how he views his work in the community? Right? And 
I, I see so many clips of him saying, you know, this is just like attempts by malicious people to smear him. And how come, um, you know, all these years he's been making comments and nobody has said anything. Only now when he he um, runs for president, then it's coming out. This must be a smear campaign. And I think <laughs> like you are putting up, your, you're putting yourself up on such a public platform the whole basis of democracy is that people should be discussing. And when you come into a position of power, of course, these things will come up. Maybe they have not come up before because you have not been, you know, anybody with like a particular um, authority in, mm. in the social political scene. But now that you are, then you have to take into consideration that, okay, maybe I meant these things harmlessly, but they do have an impact. What is, what is the, the responsibility that comes with having a platform, that comes with having mm. a position of power, if you are meant to be a, a unifying source in Singapore politics, then you have to be able to consider views other than your own, outside of you know very conventional um, ways of thinking like the patriarchy, um, like where women should be. You know, I, uh, I watched this one podcast where you said, you know, Singapore would be a lot better if if we allowed like fifty percent of women to to be homemakers, and to me that was <laughs> just truly baffling you know he said yeah. of all things to criticize Lee Kuan Yew about right you criticize him for putting women into the workforce yeah I I, I it, uh, it is really beyond me you know because it, it for me it goes to show how how little he understands um about about you know gender equality and I think that is is of paramount importance if you are going to take up such a high unifying position that is meant to represent every single Singaporean regardless of race or gender Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned the role of the president in, in re with regards to government and politics, right? Uh, I think the, the major news that we all received yesterday uh, was that um, the Tan Cheng Bok actually stepped forward to say he's going to endorse Tan Kin Lian, uh, which also means that, you know, in the 2011 Battle of the Chan, so we had four Tans competing, uh, three of them are now uh, in one alliance uh, with both Tan Ji Se and now Tan Cheng Bok backing um, Tan Kin Lian up. Yeah. We, I think by now we understand that the role of the president is above politics. Mm. Um, what do you guys think of this endorsement? And do you think that if Tan Kin Lian gets uh, elected into the role, he will be able to rise above politics? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, um, both Tan Ji Se and Tan Cheng Bok are opposition politicians, right? So what do you guys think? I think his strategy, like Tan Kin Lian's strategy is very simple. He's not going for everybody. Mm. He's going for a very select group of people. Yeah. He's going for definitely he's going for the Chinese. You know, he's he's going for like people with that thought that we should not be progressive as a nation. Okay. Easy. Yeah. Okay. Like for example, like people that do not believe in LGBT, for mm. example. Mm. Right? Like he's going after those people, right? Mm. Because he knows that he can't fight on the same grounds. Yeah, to like, a like a progressive Gen Zer that yeah, like, <laughs> there's no way he's yeah. winning their vote. Yeah, right. So he's just swinging wildly on the other side. Yeah. and seeing what hits a decent strategy. I mean, okay, Strat like strategy wise. Strategy. Okay, I mean yeah. on his part, it's a smart move like, He's taking the opposition and did now. Uh, it's like what's the next step is to team up with people who have the same views. What and yeah. it makes him look like he has good backers because they, they've run for presidency before, you know. Yeah. So and then uh, the older people might think, oh, now there's more chance. Oh, they believe in him. Oh, I confirm. Confirm is this guy. I believe yeah. in them. You know, I, I think the one thing about Ng Kok Song's strategy that I, I much prefer to Tan Kin Lian's is, is um, Ng Kok Song's 
focus on this being a, a position above politics of, of that this run should be non-partisan. Yeah. And I think that is something that um, Tan Kinen, you know, like what Nick said, he is really just going for the opposition votes. Mm. And because of that, I think his strategy, I mean, of having the Tan, the two Tans um, endorse him is, is, is very clever. But um, I don't know. It, it's not something that I personally can get behind mm. because at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, when you really look at the role of the president, it is supposed to be non-partisan. You know, and I think uh, Tan Kinen has talked a lot about how, you know, it's very important to have, have a different voice to the government, especially when it comes to things like unlocking the reserves. But I feel like I haven't actually heard how he's going to go about doing that, mm. right? Which for me is, is kind of like the key that I would need to know to put my vote behind that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so far all we've heard is like how he feels about things, but what are the steps to take? And you know, and because his views are quite narrow, right? I think he forgets that he's address addressing a whole nation and not just people who think like him. Right. One of his strategies in reaching out to young people was actually releasing this financial book uh, that he used to sell for $6, but now he's putting it up for free. And he says that a lot of people have been downloading it. Um, and he's been focusing on... And he, has, he also uh, released this uh, statement in, in, in public uh, addressing the young people talking about like finance and whatnot. Um, do you guys feel like you have uh, engaged well with that strategy in, in terms of him uh, giving financial advice to young people? Never heard about this. Nope, same. But it sounds cool. Eh? Never listened to political food, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's available for download. <laughs> it's on his website. Uh, he says uh, he, he gives very practical advice. You can read it in about five hours uh, on finance. So, I guess it comes down to do I want to take his financial advice? You know what I mean? I mean, he says that he, he, he grew NTUC income's uh, assets by 600 times to billions oh. of dollars. So, you know, you do want to I do want to take advice. his financial no, yeah. No. He's not a stupid man. Let's be clear. He's, he's not stupid. He's no. not stupid. Yeah. He's a very smart man. Okay, but he might have views that are just against our current thinking as yeah. a progressive nation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the fact is, in this current stage of Singapore, is that enough to win? It might be, you know. Right. Because if you think about it, let's say he ignore, he only care about the Chinese people, seventy percent. Yeah. Right. And then the people that can vote the age right yeah then it's like uh, maybe like 45 percent is like the older crowd already yeah right and then after that maybe like half of them like rally to his cause right mm. that's that might be enough yeah you see mm. so yeah. that if he focuses on that yeah that's his strategy la, mm. right we might right. not agree with it because we are on the other side mm. but it might work right? yeah the we numbers game mm. <laughs> okay so let's wrap up on Tan Kin Lian um, how do you guys feel about his uh, overall strategy uh, you in one me. sentence in one <laughs> sentence yeah. okay. um, I think when it boils down to it I, I, I hear him that he says he's opposition but I don't know how he's going to do, use that to his to the Singaporeans benefit I, I don't think he's really expounded on that very much and for me that is like a major failing of his campaign okay Salilo. I guess for me it's controversial and I don't know if he can walk the talk okay in terms of social media strategy I actually think it's pretty good the content-wise, maybe I don't agree, but I read it at seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> so in, in terms of uh, campaign-wise, when elections first started, I think a lot of people said, that's a clear front-runner, right? Mm. Um, the campaigns have happened. You know, we've, we've seen how they have done, uh, how they have all performed. Mm. Um, do you feel like at this point, there's still a very clear front-runner? Yes. Also... <laughs> numbers game mm. maybe not 
Okay. So the power of social media is so strong, right? It doesn't matter at what age you're the one consuming it, right? Yeah. But as long as you're spreading a message, it becomes this ripple effect where I can watch the video as a 28-year-old, my 50-year-old mother <laughs> will, will watch it and she'll be like, yeah, uh, I understand, yeah. right? Yeah. And so like, if you're talking about like campaigning-wise, I do feel that Taman has been pretty weak on this side. Right. Because he has not shown us how he has separated from the PAP and is trying to be above that party, right? But the other two have done a pretty strong identity yeah. in terms of mm. what they stand for, whether we agree with it or not. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Salilo? I really feel like um, more and more of us are at a crossroads because we can, we've seen the other sides to the, the candidates that you mentioned. And like, Tarman is, this is normal for him. He knows the ropes. He knows what to say. Some things look very like, oh, he, he talked about this. You know, there's certain things that he can't say. And it's like, he's been media trained. You know, we, we all know that. And for the other two, maybe perhaps much less, especially for one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a fresh take. So I, I guess it's the pros and cons. And... Yeah, it's a harder decision to make, I guess. What we uh basically is what you want in your president, what kind of person you want that person that that position to be taken, you know, by uh yeah. Personally I, I think that the establishment voters, you know, we're always gonna vote for Taman, right? And there is so much strength in those numbers. Um and then the entire establishment will always be voting for entire establishment. And I think that because of that, there there might be a split, right, between Ang Kok Song and um, Tan Kin Lian, which might dilute the votes. And mm. then with the, you know, middle ground voters, I feel like Taman continues to be the safe choice. Um, I think from what I've seen, a lot of people in, in the younger generation especially do not resonate with what Tan Kin Lian has said, which is why I think at the end of the day, Taman is still the front runner. Right. Um, I, I take a little bit of a different uh, perspective to that. Uh, I actually don't see Ang Kok Song splitting Tan Kilian's votes now. I see Ang Kok yeah. Song splitting Taman's votes actually. Yes, because I a lot agree of, it. A lot of people see Taman and Ang Kok Song as like one, one side and then yeah. you see Tan Kilian on the other side. Yes. Uh, so I think for me, I'm like, oh, that's quite interesting. You know, when, when we first entered this, it feels like it was uh, the split was between George and uh, Ang Kok Song mm. but now it feels like Ang Kok Song is going to take away votes from Taman which is very interesting because we were yeah. at first he was vilified for splitting the opposition vote and now I'm, I'm seeing this shift where I feel like people are thinking hey he's he's splitting the vote for the establishment vote so mm. I don't know I feel like there's, there's been a shift yeah okay. okay so my last question to you guys is we're going to be entering polling day really soon all of us here will be making our votes uh, you don't have to reveal your vote but I just want to ask you what are you basing your vote on? And what are your thought processes when you're you are making that vote? Um, for me, I think it's really simple. It, it just boils back down to what are the three duties of, of the president and who I feel fulfills those three duties, will, will fulfill those three duties the best. Mm. And then, you know, you, especially on the community front, unify mm. all these different communities. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to choose the one that looks the best at NDP. Hey, nah. <laughs> <Cancel>. <laughs> I I do think that the one key aspect of a president that nobody really mentions is that he keeps the government in check. So I would prefer a candidate that can step up and like bitch slap the politicians that are sleeping around and stuff like that. Eh? 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 <laughs> um, that are that are not in line with the 
the morals and values that a politician should have as a leader of Singapore? I guess mine is a mix of both, honestly. I just um, need somebody that's honest and sincere in doing their role and not just trying to win people's hearts. Sometimes you, you have to do what a lot of people will disagree with. So I'm just still at a crossroads. <laughs> Got it. Uh, for me... I think it's two on two levels. I think uh, on one level is personal values, whether or not you know th- this person uh, uh, is aligned with what I believe. Mm. Um, the second level is whether or not this person can fulfill what I think is good for Singapore when it comes to the roles of the the three roles that uh, Dr. Gillian in episode one outlined. So that's what I'm thinking about. Um, I'm actually I haven't actually made my decision, uh, but um, I will be uh, sitting down and reviewing everything before we Same. go there. If Donald Trump can win, Tan Kin Lian can win. What a way to end that episode, Nick. <laughs> Not sure what he's trying to say, but... <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for really taking the time out of your schedule to do this episode. Uh, this was the one episode that I felt like was the most chill. Uh, it really feels like I was talking to my friends, last, so I really appreciate uh, you guys you know, giving your perspectives and insights to, to everything that's been going on. Oh, you're sitting next to Pretty Girl. Eh? <laughs> can, I, can I say I can? You say you can, you say you can. Um, so yeah like pretty girls and handsome guys <laughs> where can we find you guys on social media if anybody wants to follow you if you want to see stupid videos then uh, you go to my TikToks to hack on but if you want more concise thoughts then you watch my Instagram stories thank you okay you guys can find me on like almost everywhere um, I am Zalilo on Instagram and TikTok and Zalilo on Spotify slay um, you guys can find me on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is Miggy Chia um, with four A's. And I also have a podcast hosted by my friends here at Zoda Pop. Uh, it's back of the party um, on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, wherever. <laughs> and she's going to be doing an episode on the elections as Yes, well. I am. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. That was not the joke. I really hate your shirt. Is it because it's not green? It's all these malicious comments. Uh. Really? <laughs> Cannot eh. <laughs> I will handle it. Tomorrow I will wear green. Okay, guys, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Political Prude, the podcast. I had a lot of fun doing this episode. It genuinely felt like having a dinner conversation with my friends. So a massive shout out to the incredible guests, Zalelo, Megan, and Nick. By the way, we actually gave all the comments and the sweet ones really make us very happy. So thank you so much. Now, you can also show us your support by following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star rating. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and also don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Now, I can't believe we're almost at the end of PE 2023, but this has been Political Brood, the podcast. This was the Zoda Pop Podcast.